0: Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now let's get into the word. I want to speak today on process, God's design. Process seems like such a generic word and uh, a bit boring when when uh, when you say process compared to parenting or whatever, but the bottom line is all of it has a process to it. And the older I get, the more I realize that um, God has a way of doing things that works. And um, every time that I kind of know God's way and just kind of decide that I'm going to do my own way, things don't go nearly as well as when I follow his plan. And so today I want to I teach on a subject that uh, Pastor Quentin actually asked me to minister it. Um, it's been one of those... Uh, kind of leadership things that I've learned quite some time ago. In fact, is when we were planting the church, um, some of the guys that were around, uh, Matt and, and, and Bill and Ben and uh, Jim, and some of the different guys who were part of the men's ministry back then, we went through John Eldridge's material, Wild at Heart. And in that, it talks about five seasons or six seasons of a man's life. And I'm going to talk about three of them now. Um, I'm going to move beyond the the boyhood and the initial ones, and I want to talk about the three uh, main seasons of, well, he talks about them in the masculine, but I want us to understand that all of us fit into these three seasons. These three seasons are very real. And so um, I'll give you the the names of them as John Eldridge has kind of uh, set them out. He calls the first season the warrior. Um, the second he calls the king season. And the third he calls the sage, or the three that we'll be talking about today. And, um, and so if you look at that from a female perspective, you know, um, I guess there's a warrior princess, right? Yeah. heard about that come on somebody so uh, and then um, if there's a king, the king's no good without a queen, right so uh, there you go fit your fit your queenliness into that section when we get there and uh, and then with the sage, there's nothing like grandmother and grandfather is there um, amazing season um, I'm actually starting to enjoy that season, and I'm still in the king season, but uh, but we're, we're getting into that season where, you know, we're seeing life through our grandkids' eyes, and, and it's an amazing part of our journey. So that's where we're kind of headed, and I want to set some groundwork this morning. If you will turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. My iPad was stolen the last wedding that I did, or I left it on the back of my truck and drove off. I'm not quite sure which, but uh, we'll blame it on a stealer, right? <laughs> it's uh, you know I've been known to leave my coffee on the bed of my truck, my my hammers and you know whatnot. So maybe my iPads in the bushes in North Carolina somewhere. But anyway, my uh, my first generation iPad wouldn't bring my my all of my Bible study software into it. So I'm, I'm kind of bouncing between two different things here. So bear with, bear with me if they all shut off on me and I don't know where I'm at. In Ephesians chapter two, verse one through 18, I'm going to read from the uh, New Living Translation. And it's kind of a lengthy passage, but um, follow along with me. It simply sets the stage for where we're going today. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were Dead because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. How does that make you feel? God's going to point toward you as a part of His wealth, see God's perspective there. It didn't really necessarily. It wasn't really part of my message at all. But the 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 uh, the understanding that God sees us in in a way that we many times do not see ourselves always gets me every time I see it in Scripture. But anyway, as shown to us in all that He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done or we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. I love that scripture. Um, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. Don't forget that the Gentiles used to be outsiders. We were called uncircumcised heathen by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises of God that God had made to them. And so you lived in this world without God and without hope. But now... You have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own, when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of his hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. And he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Or the provision for us to have had that hostility taken away um, has has been, been made for us. How many times we as people also have to make the choice to come into agreement with God's forgiveness, with God's provision. A lot of times we walk in privilege of where he's intended for us to walk because we're still walking in the understanding of of the old, old system, the old ways the Jews really struggled with this transformation. They really struggled with the Jews, with the uh, Gentiles being added in or being made provision for because they weren't used to that system operating. They were used to the Jews and the Gentiles and there was a huge chasm between them. And so when Jesus died and um, and then rose again, that chasm between the Jews and the Gentiles and the Gentiles are really being us, Right? Everybody that wasn't Jews back then and then going forward, um, everybody that would not be a Jew would be a Gentile. And so we're a part of that Gentile and we're part of that group that was grafted in or made provision for because of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. So he brought us this good news of peace to the Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews that were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. That's the baseline of our Christianity. That's the baseline of our faith. It's not so much what we have done, it's what Christ has done and provided for us. He has made a way for us to have excellence in our life. He has made a way for us to have freedom. He has made a way for us to have wisdom that's not our own. He's made a way for us to tap into the kingdom of God so that, it, so that we don't have to live through our lifetime abandoned and afraid abandoned and alone, unprovided for, without having that wisdom that can only come from God. He's made a way for that wisdom to be tapped into by us. God has prepared you. He is preparing you and he will be preparing you until he returns or we go the way of the grave. We are in a constant process of change. We're in a constant process of becoming We're never um, really supposed to be in a place of stagnation. He doesn't intend for our life with Him to be um, stages of boredom and then excitement, boredom and then excitement, boredom and then excitement. It's intended for us to have this amazing journey. It's not supposed to be all easy, it won't be all easy. He even says that in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have testings and you will have trials. There is a real enemy that desires to sift you as wheat. There's a real enemy that destry, desires to destroy you. So those are all, all very real factors. But the process of going forward is God simply taking all of the, the things that happen to us during our lifetime and in our life journey and making something beautiful out of it. You can have those seasons like, like I described several months ago. Uh, if you remember the sermon that I did about um, you know, sitting on my couch with a black hooded sweatshirt over my head and, and really struggling with a time of significant depression. It was a very seriously uh, awful time in my life. Those times will come. Even as a Christian, those times will be, will come. There will be times when you will wonder if you're going to make it. Whether you're a Christian or not, you'll wonder if you're going to make it. You'll wonder where God is. You'll wonder if He's abandoned you. You'll wonder what you did wrong. You'll wonder why am I going through this? You'll ask all those questions. It's not wrong to ask those questions, but it's always we always have to come back to the bottom line of Jesus has made a way. Like it says there in Ephesians, Jesus has made a way. The provision is there. We're going to have to see through some difficult stuff. We're going to have to endure some difficult seasons. But if we can trust him through those difficult seasons, he, will, he is in the process of making something beautiful out of your life. All right, so we're being prepared. He has prepared us up to this point. You are not, um, many of you are not novices in the kingdom of God. Many of you have been serving God for many years. So you're, you're, you're maybe not one of the, the brand new uh, born again people. Maybe you have, um, you've been in it for so long that you've kind of just gotten used to it, you know, and, and church is just church and Sunday is just Sunday and, Jesus is just Jesus, and God is just God, and it's something that you do, and you're kind of waiting for the end. I don't know if that's you or not. I hope not. But um, we can get really uh, comfortable or complacent in our relationship with Him. We can treat it kind of like it's common. That's not God's design. He wants you to see yourself as being prepared. And these seasons for me that I talked about earlier, these seasons kind of help me see an overall plan. It gives me an overall picture of maybe what uh, my life life is is, um, intended to accomplish or become. We will enter different seasonal phases of our life. There are marked changes in, the, in our potential in each. What we do with the opportunity and the potential is largely dependent on our personal journey with Jesus and how we position ourselves to learn and to lead. I believe that there's leadership in everybody. When you're um, raising your children, you know, you're the leader to that two-year-old. You're the leader to that if your child is twenty you 're the leader to that twenty year old etc if you 're a leader um, if you know if you 're a, a boss at work or whatever you 're a leader to that crew if you 're a if you 're a Christian on any job site by nature you 're a leader by by nature by god 's design in you he 's positioned you there even if you never give d- direct commands as far as Shovel this, shovel over into this spot and fill this hole or whatever. Dig this ditch or whatever. Maybe you're not the guy giving those commands. But because you're a believer and because Christ is in you, you are giving direction to the people that's around you. The instructions come out, emanate from you without you maybe even realizing it. You are an example, a living epistle, the scripture says. You are showing God's ways to the world, regardless of where you find yourself. Where we receive our wisdom from will determine our contribution to those that we have been trusted with. Joseph was trusted with all of Pharaoh's kingdom because he relentlessly pursued his relationship with God. He positioned himself as a student in humility before God, and he patiently navigated each obstacle. And in his situation, God used his gifting on a natural, national scale. You say, well, God will never use me on a national scale. Really, that's not our problem. Right? The, the scale with which God's going to use us is not really our our. our it's just not our problem. What is our challenge is, am I in position and have, have I allowed God to transform me so that when he needs me to do something, I am prepared, I have been prepared, and I am being prepared. See, we're not so much in charge of the assignment that we will receive, but we are responsible for being obedient to whatever assignment that he gives us and being prepared. Warrior King Sage, I believe, is a bit of helping us to get positioned and understanding the process of being trained and positioned so that we can be ready when those times of instruction come. Let's let's look at the warrior. The warrior, as John Eldridge describes it, is is a person in their 20s and 30s. And if you could, those of you that are past the 20s and 30s, if you could kind of think back to those years, or if you're in those years, think about what you're going through now in the context of being a warrior. Just thinking about a warrior, it brings up the idea that there's a battle of some sort, right? There's a battle of some sort that has to be uh, fought. And John Eldridge uses the term uh, a battle to fight. There's a battle to fight and for some reason in the epic battle movies, there's always a beauty to rescue. There's always a girl involved, right? And so maybe it's the princess warrior thing. I don't know. But anyway, um, there's this battle that's being fight. And if you look at your 20s and 30s and you look at maybe you've got sons or, or whatever. I've got three sons and, a, and, a, and an, an extra son that uh, is, are in that warrior stage. And they're warriors, they're they're just full of energy. They're 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 they've got dreams and visions. They want to, you know, they they'll go out in the yard and just fight with each other, not like mad fight, but just just to wrestle and whatever. And they're they're showing their strength and they're arm wrestling and they're they're just doing all that stuff to to because uh, they're 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 young guys. They're in this aggressive mode, and they're conditioned to be warriors during that season, during that stage. You go into your 40s and 50s, and he calls it the king years. And as a king, I'm 52 now. I don't like to wrestle with my (laughs) 22-year-old. Stuff just doesn't work like it used to. You know, my knees are... A little more tender. I'm. I'm still okay. But, but um, you know, I I get down on my knees now, and and I have to think about how I'm going to get back up. I didn't have to think about that in my 20s and 30s. You, you know, I watch them and they're, they're up on the side of a truck and they just jump off the side of the truck and they give no, no concern about their ankles, about their knees, about their, you know, breaking something. They just launch off the side of the truck. Well, that's a warrior. They're, they're, they're young, they're fit, their bodies are strong and, and everything is, is, uh, is, a, is, a, is an opportunity for a battle. Everything is to be won. Everything, it's a challenge, which is an amazing thing. So the primary battle, though, of a warrior, when you start thinking a little more in terms of of character as opposed to physical strength, the primary battle of a warrior is developing character. So if you think about the 20s and 30s, you've you're, you're kind of gone through your teenage years. You've kind of gone through that, that, that uh, the, you know, at least the beginning part of college or whatever. And, and that, that 20s and 30s is really beginning to figure out who you are. What's important to you? What is, what is God's, you know, place in your life? What is, uh, what is it that's going to help you to navigate through life? What's important? What are character traits that are needing to be developed in you that are going to carry you through not only this season but prepare you for the next one? Well, the warrior's developing character really is found in in 2 Peter chapter one, verse 3 through 9, and it's gonna be on the screen before I get there, I'm sure. in your, in your 20s and 30s, the beginning of this wrestling with our human nature, it, it happens certainly when you're one and two and whatever. But for the sake of today's sermon, we're, we're kind of fast-forwarding to this point where these things are really um, developing on a, on, a, on a grand scale, and you're owning them apart from your parents oftentimes. In view of all this, in verse 5, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith with generous provisions of of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted, or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, there's a really, uh, really strong aspect of our journey at this point as a, as a young man or a young woman where this character needs to be developed in us. And if that, that process of developing character, really deciding, do I want to have the core philosophies or, or values in my life? Do I want to be a liar? Do you know how easy it is to lie? Do you know how easy it is to, to, to develop the ability to lie? Okay, so go back to when you were dead in trespasses and sin. Forget now when you're all righteous and holy and everything. You remember, you remember how easy it was to just fabricate a lie so you didn't have to pay for the consequences of your actions? It's easy. It was just like something that we were almost wired to be able to do. It's not like something you had to be taught. You just kind of, on the fly, you know, you could figure out a lie to get yourself out of some hot water. The problem is, after time, you kind of forget what you said before, and it's really hard to remember where you left off with the last lie and the last lie and the last lie, and it gets super, you know, contorted in your mind, and pretty soon it all catches up with you. So, as a young man or a young woman, we begin the process of, of saying to ourselves, before the Lord, do I want what do I want character-wise in my life? Do I want to be a liar? Do I want it to be easy for me to s- steal? Think about the Ten Commandments. Do I want to go through my life coveting? The stuff that somebody else has. That's a lot of work. Just thinking about it. That's a lot of work. Contentment, contentment is an amazing thing. First Timothy 6 says 6:6 says, godliness with contentment is great gain. The man or woman that has developed an understanding of contentment and has received contentment as one of the core philosophies or, or character traits in their life better from a young age, understand that covetousness just isn't a part of that character trait. Desiring, it goes on and talks about coveting another man's wife. How many of you know how much trouble that brings? Go down that road for a while and and it's a difficult road. Some of you have experienced that road, very difficult road. This character is developing and it's important that it gets developed powerfully at a young age you young younger warriors in the room this morning don't be afraid of wrestling with these concepts don't be afraid of wrestling with ask yourself the question do i want to be a liar because when you're when you're getting accustomed to lying you're not thinking about it you're just doing it it's just it's almost like innately becoming a part of who you are. So while you have this preacher standing in front of you, challenging you with a thought that simply says, ask yourself, do I want the characteristic of, say, lying? Do I want the characteristic of cheating? Do I want to be a covetous person? Ask yourself, go down through the Ten Commandments if you have to, if you need some illustrations, examples. Do I want these characteristics in my life or do I want to have something different? Do I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life instead? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, tenderness, goodness, mercy. The things that God provides in place of what the enemy brings down our path. Developing strong personal habits preferably of a kingdom nature or a part of the warrior years? Am I going to become the things that we've described or am I going to take on God's character and go through the process of of retraining myself? Paul uses the term dying to self. Your old nature dies hard. Those old ways die hard. How many of you are in your 50s, 60s, 70s and still that old nature? We battle that old nature at times. We battle those old ways at times. All right, so often unknowingly, but regardless, wrestling with the principles found in the 10 commandments even, we find ourselves adjusting or having the opportunity to adjust to God's ways and not our own wrestling with our character, wrestling with who we are becoming. The king years, generally the 40s and 50s, it gets a little interesting. Uh, Again, as I was talking earlier in the prayer time this morning, we talk about, you know, our journey of faith. And a lot of times it becomes very mundane or very, we're just used to it. We're used to God being God. We're used to the privilege of the kingdom. We're used to understanding parts of it. And we just kind of settle into a groove and we just stay in, stay in kind of like a happy medium vein and God bless America, everything's good. Well, God doesn't want us to be in that humdrum vein. He wants us to be in a, in a, in a pattern of growth and development on a continual basis. And then looking backwards and pouring what we have learned into the generation coming. And so the king years get really interesting. It's in our 40s and 50s. And I'll just note that our pastor just turned 40. So he's entering, he's, you know, there's there's always these kind of transitional spots that are very difficult. You know, we talked fairly openly about our transition of him coming to this church. My wife and I planted this church for eight years. And now there's this this place where we're transitioning the leadership to other men. So you have this ownership thing. You have this identity thing. You have this relationship thing with the body, but then you're required to shift it over to a new leader. And that new leader a lot of times is younger. It's kind of the way it's supposed to be. And so you're, you're having to trust this younger leader with something that has got your flesh and blood attached to it. It's got your tears all over it. It's got your blood all over it. It's got your mistakes. You've got battles and you've won, you know, you've territory and you've you've gained ground and you've done that warrior thing in this setting and now you're trusting. So these transitional periods of our life demand change in us. That's why you master, say, by the 20-year end of your warrior years or warrior princess years, you kind of master that operating as a warrior. And then God kind of like says, okay, son or daughter, now I need you to be a king. Well, it's kind of like graduating from eighth grade. You remember when you were in eighth grade, you were like the leader of the school, You know, all the little kids, they were little kids. You know, fourth graders were just like, whatever. You know, they don't matter because I'm an eighth grader. And then you get out of your eighth grade and you go to high school and now you're a freshman. And now you're that person. But two weeks, you know, like the beginning at the end of the summer or the beginning of the summer, you know, you were the, the top of the top of the hill, king of the hill, and, and now you're like the bottom of the hill again. And you start all over. In a sense, you feel like you're starting all over. The truth is you're not starting all over. Your responsibility has just changed. Your season has just changed. You're a freshman now, but it's not like you're two. It's not like you're a, you know, whatever. A, how old is, a, how old is a, a, you know, like a fourth grader? Nine so it 's been a while, so nine n- nine, and how old's the eighth grader fourteen or whatever fifteen so between nine and fifteen there's a there, it 's a huge gap actually, a lot of stuff is it just doesn 't seem like a long time when you 're you know our age, and you know it 's like the years run into each other, decades run into each other, and you know it 's like, what universe am I on or whatever. So you're, you're having these transitions similar to what it's like going from eighth grade into high school, going from the top of the pile to the bottom of the pile, and you feel like you're starting all over again. The truth is you're not starting all over again, but you're going to be dependent on God or required to be dependent on God in a similar fashion as when, as when you were back starting your 20s back starting your warrior years unfamiliar territory you didn't quite know what your standards were you didn't quite know where you stood on the issues you didn't quite know where your footing was and god through those warrior years and the and the kings that's why the, the the king years are so important a king's primary role let's say is to gather warriors around him or them and speak into the lives of these warriors out of the abundance of a king. Well, the abundance of a king has been developed through the warrior years. So if you're are not paying attention in your warrior years and you're not wrestling with the principles and the characters and the things of of God that are needing to be wrestled with at that time, when you get to your 40s and 50s, you will not be prepared to sow into the generation past. And God needs you to be prepared to sow into the generation past. So let's just say we're we're preparing the best that we know how. Life circumstances have come our way. We've 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 battled through our warrior years, and 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 we are in position with these young warriors kind of nipping at our heels. They're warning my church. <laughs> They're warning my business. <laughs> they want to run it because they know how to do it way better than we do. <laughs> I know, Zach. <laughs> He's a smart kid, but his dad's got 26 years on him. And it seems like he knows how to run that business better than his dad. And probably in some things he's got great ideas that, you know, us older guys, we are not up with technology the way the younger group is. And so there's some things that he's going to bring to the table, but there's experience and there's hard knocks and there's difficult things that that, that King has gone through that the young warriors need to learn as they're advancing. And so this relationship dynamic between a a warrior and a a king is extremely important. And it's extremely important that the king, whose primary responsibility is to gather warriors around them, so say I'm a king, and I'm going to gather these warriors. Come on, you guys, real quick. 20s, 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 if you're 20s. Micah? So we're gathering these guys around us, and um, wherever they all are, here they are. We're gathering them around us, and we're giving them a piece of who we are. We're giving them wisdom. We're giving them understanding. I think that's why our family meetings have become so important. I've got three warriors, you know, typically three, four, five warriors in the room with my wife and I during these family meetings, because our family's just kind of growing, and... um, and I think the reason why they're becoming important is because they're they're seeking information to help them through these years, to help them go through these years with excellence so that they're learning, they're engaged, they're participating. There's times when they're like, oh, Dad, whatever, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, but the, this environment that we create is an open door for them to be able to receive from us sometimes it's i'm going to bed i've had it i've moved sheds all day it's hot i'm done whatever i go to bed i lay down on my bed and the next thing i know there's like three grown children laying all over my bed wanting to talk i'm like this is not the time go go away go to your room where, where do you you live somewhere else But here they are, they're laying on the floor, they're in the chair in the corner, and they're just camped out. But this environment creates an opportunity for them to engage with us in a way that we can pass information in a healthy way. Thank you guys. Good illustration. And that's what the relationship transition between a warrior and a king is all about. You've got to let go of the warrior thing. You know, I know that I'm not physically capable of warfare like my son is in a physical, natural sense. And my role is shifting to where it's not so much about the sword and the, and the whatever. It's about passing information so that these guys can be empowered and they're fighting the right battles. That they're not out there fighting stuff that, that's, that's not sensible, That doesn't make sense, that's not gonna help them on their journey, or that they're damaging, they're damaging things that they maybe should be protecting, or whatever. And so, this wisdom that a king will pass on to the warrior, it's very important. But what what happens many times is this, this king can't let go of the warrior thing. It's a difficult process of letting go. It's like the pastor letting the younger guy take over. How many of you think Pastor Quentin's doing a great job? He is doing a great job. He's an amazing young guy. He's an amazing guy. And Jen, they've done an amazing job. But don't you think for a moment that it wasn't difficult for him and for I to go through this transition with us both being here in the same building? It's difficult because you're unsure of what your role is. It's not really written down in the Bible somewhere that when you turn into a king, you do this. And and when you let go of your congregation, that's why some organizations won't even let the older pastor be there. They just don't let him. I think that's partially because they don't understand the role, the role and the trans- transitional element and the power that can be in this transition of leadership. The the king has to be willing to step back and let that young man run. And the young man has to be willing to sit down at times and say, okay, what's this look like? Thankfully, Pastor Quentin's really good at that. There are times when both of us get it wrong. There are times when, but we love one another enough so that we figure it out after a while and it works, okay? And I believe that God wants the generations to work seamlessly together. I don't think he wants us to necessarily have to divide ourselves. There's times when we just go, we got another assignment and off we go. We're, 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 we're off to another thing. But in some cases, these warrior king relationships are just gonna stay together for a very long time. They're intended to do that and those relationships can also be done long distance it's not like you have to be in the same building or the same church you can draw from a warrior from a king as a warrior if they're halfway around the world or around the world whatever so one of the things that really train wrecks this warrior king relationship is if the 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 king hasn't been isn't willing to transition enough so that there's this awkward competition going on. Now, a warrior is kind of all about competition. They're wanting to win. You know, they've got to win. There's something about them that if they lose it's not a it's not empowering, you know? And I think all of us have a bit of a competitive edge to us because I don't know, maybe because we're Americans or just human, I don't know. But whatever, Um, But in the kingdom, this competition thing, as we get older and as our roles and seasons change, we as as into our king years, we have to be position ourselves to not see us ourselves as a competition to that younger generation. In other words, I'm not in competition with my sons. I'm not trying to out-wrestle them necessarily. I'm not trying to out-arm wrestle them. I'm not trying to be like, I'm the amazing one and you're still the dolt and, and whatever. It's not like that. It can't be like that. We have to find the things that are, that are, that are, that are emerging in that former generation, the, the warrior generation. And as a king, I have to draw out that gifting that's in them. It's part of my responsibility. It's part of giving them good instruction. If I've got a young warrior that just wants to be a singer and he can't sing, some people just can't sing. Yeah, no, no, I mean, they can sing. It's just like you don't want them up front leading. We all can sing, you're right. (laughs) Some people need to sing more in the shower. All right, I stand corrected. But if you're going to try to go to Nashville, you've got to, have some, you've got to have some natural gifting there or some God-given gifting there. And if your gifting isn't to be in Nashville singing like whoever, then guess what? You need to find out what your gifting is. And the warrior can help, I mean, the king can help that young warrior find their gifting a lot of times another thing that a king will try to do is, is draw that young warrior into their gifting. And one of the things that I really purposefully tried not to do as a, as, a, as a pastor for many years was put that role onto my children. In other words, I'll be more proud of you if you become a pastor like me. We can do that to our kids because that's where we are as a person. That's what we value as a person. We see that as part of our identity, that role. Maybe you're a computer person and you want your kids to know all about computers. Well, maybe that kid doesn't want to learn about computers or or understand computers the way you do because there's an artist on the inside of them and they've got to be free. To, to draw and to write and whatever. Maybe eventually they'll do it on the computer. I don't know. But the bottom line is, we have to be careful as a king not to draw everybody into what's the familiar thing and maybe the gifting and the calling on our life. We have to be somewhat neutral in the sense that God's gifted this young man to be a certain something and my other sons to be a certain something else, and my other sons, and then my daughters or whatever, and the other warriors that are underneath me, part of my responsibility as a king is to step back from the emotion of maybe what I would want the outcome to be and become somewhat neutral in the sense that, God, what have you designed in this person? What is the gold in this person that I'm to be drawing out of them so that they can truly become everything that God has destined them to be? Because I'm a firm believer that you may not be a singer, but God has gifted you with something that's amazing. And the, the longer that we try to be something that we're not, the less or the or the the less time that we have to become or be what God has destined us to be. And the development of what we're supposed to be can sometimes get lost in be trying to become what we want to be because we're trying to be like somebody else. Nobody is as uniquely awesome as you are. And that's for everybody in this room. Every single person. The scripture declares that over and over again, you are uniquely handcrafted by the creator, designed, and then he broke the mold after he got you out. After you got set free, he just broke the mold. There's nobody on the planet it's just like you are. Isn't that amazing? Look at this whole room. Look at each other. There's nobody in here that looks like me. We might try to do our hair the same way or, you know, whatever, dress the same way. We may, may try to drive the same stuff or whatever. I don't know that all of that. But guess what? I, you know, I tried to grow a beard a while back and it just was a train wreck. You know, I just I'm, I'm I'm okay right here, but the rest of it is just kind of weak and and awful looking. And I just gave up. I was like, forget it. And then like this guy over here, he can just like overnight probably he's just like boom, beard man, awesome. You know, awesome definition and all that. We're just made different. I can't. help. it's my German roots or something. They just don't don't do it right that, for that or whatever. So I have to give up on. That. <laughs> So what is it? Look at that. I mean, how do you do that? It's just, boom, there. Like, whoa. Bob, as old as, you know, just, wow. I'm just, I'm not jealous. I just preach about being covet, covet, whatever. You know. <laughs> I'm sorry, sons. You know. <laughs> My dad used to say drink black coffee and put hair in your chest. I'm like, "Really? Is that, all? is that is that all it takes?" Nah, black coffee's awful and it didn't work anyways. So. <laughs> all right, I'm getting messed up here. Too much information. So a king begins to shift focus from the personal battles Remember, as a warrior, you're fighting these personal battles of becoming who God has destined you to become in the sense of character. You know, you're fighting those young man battles, you're fighting those temptations. Um, you fight those temptations as an older man, also, don't get me wrong, but you're really defining who you're becoming as a young man and a young woman. It's not an area of competition. We're not competing with the warrior. We celebrate their strengths and their battles won. And as a king, we equip them with the strategy to win the next series of conquests. We might even help them to decide which, which battles are important, which battles are priority not defining how or what they're supposed to do with them, but giving them enough direction so that they're confident that they're going in the right direction. It might be the thing of your son coming to you, your daughter coming to you and saying, you know, I just want to quit my job. I'm just so tired of this whatever. And, and I just, how many times have, have, have you as a king say, wanted to quit your job, you know? How many times do we go through that cycle and and we get emotionally charged because things are happening and we have to fight through those emotional challenges? As a king, I have to be able to sit with my, 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 my warriors and say, okay, let's think through this. Let's, let's pray for a moment and find out what God's speaking about this because right now you're upset and you're emotionally charged with the situation. But what is God telling us to do? That's a, that's a king speaking into the life of a warrior, bringing balance, bringing, bringing direction. As a father would to a son, a mother would do to a daughter. Actually, my wife speaks into our sons probably as much or more than I do. All right, so I must help them to see that they truly have what it takes to succeed. So I'm not in competition with my warriors. I'm all about helping them to become amazing. As you become a king or a queen, you start realizing that it's not really so much about me. The focus isn't so much about me. We start just being. We start being. You know what? We've been through some stuff. A little bit more comfortable in who we are. As we go into the king years, we're getting more and more comfortable with that, whatever. It's about that that warrior emerging. All right, so let's go to the third. So when it turns red, is that like your overtime? <laughs> okay. So we are officially overtime. I promised one of the leaders that's, you know, here in the church that I would not go an hour and 20 minutes like we did last week. I, I, honest to God, I had no idea we went that long. I'm so sorry. Um, anyway, so the sage is generally in their 60s and 70s and beyond. The sage, I believe, is one of the most un, under, misunderstood seasons of a man or woman's life. Oftentimes, our culture has relegated that to a simple word, retired. Retired gets translated to put out to pasture. It gets translated to not needed. It gets translated to you're not active any longer. Nothing could be farther from the truth. And if you're in that age bracket of the 60s and 70s, you are so vitally needed in the uh, arena of the kingdom. Please don't take on the, the world's, understanding of what retirement is. Retirement is something that hopefully gives you more time to do the things that you want to do, and somebody else is going to pay for it for a change. Or, or what you've sown in the past is going to pay for it for a change. These guys are, are retired, right? Paul, you're, you're almost there. Get, yeah, you're getting there. Well, the bottom line is um, Bill's retired, so the kind of... He, he hasn't quit, but he's... The role just changes. You do different stuff. He's not running the the facility in Massachusetts so much. He's turned it over to a younger guy, and he's trying to make it work, trying to do it. But Bill's able to help his son work on his house, and and he's helping us with the church, the the church purchase that just happened a few uh, months ago. Bill led the charge on that. He just did it. It's what he's done his whole life. It's his gifting. He can negotiate with banks and amazing stuff happens. And we were scratching our head thinking about how we're going to have to do fundraisers and blah, blah, blah. And and Bill just walks into a board meeting one night and said, okay, Pastor Quentin, I need you to just go to the bank and sign this paper and that paper and it's all done. And we were like, what? (laughs) How? How? He said, "You wouldn't understand. <laughs> just, just go sign the paper and uh, pay the less payment." No. So, uh, but that 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 time that he had to invest in what's going on here—that's part of that amazing part of the retirement thing. But it doesn't mean that that gifting isn't needed and vital and important. What is a sage's primary respons- responsibility or role? primary role of a sage is to gather kings around them and speak into their lives. How many of you know you got a bunch of guys in their 40s and 50s and they know everything? (laughs) We've been through enough stuff that we've got some stuff figured out and we know what to do now. You don't have to tell us everything, you know. Um, And we can be extremely stubborn because we've been a warrior, We've been participating as a king, and now that experience has validated our understanding of everything. The truth is we don't know everything. The truth is we're learning how to pass information to the next generation without all the yuck attached to it. We're learning how to do that. And the closer that we get to the end of the king years, we're, we're needing to transition into the sage years. And so guess what? We're going to go from eighth grade to being a freshman again. So you really go through that process of, you know what? Now I'm going into another season where I'm not fully, fully aware or comfortable of what my role is going to be. Because it does shift again. You have to treat a king... You have to speak into the life of a king differently than what you would speak into the life of a warrior as a king. It's different. It's not the same because they're, 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 they're a little more set in their ways than a warrior. A warrior's still on, on a lot of shaky ground, a lot of unknowns there. But the king's been instructing warriors for all this time. They've been leading They've been running some some companies. they've had big manager positions, et cetera, et etc, et etc. So training and teaching and equipping a say a, 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 a king to become a sage or an effective king is a job which takes some finesse, and it's kind of like that transition where as a as a father. Your sons and daughters are now having children, and now you have grandchildren. And it's that, it's that careful thing that you have to do about, how do I interact with these kids? Because you partly want to jerk a knot in that two-year-old that's doing the things that your kid used to do when he was a two-year-old. And they're not doing anything about it. And you really know what to do, and you just want to fix it. But it's having the restraint to say, no, I'm not that child's father. I'm their grandfather. And so I have to deal with that situation in a completely different way. And guess what? You're not fully trained to do that yet. Because you haven't had a ton of practice, or at least I haven't. I've only got two little ones. Some of you have, my mother's got like 14 grandchildren, great-grandchildren or something. So she's a trained professional. Go ask her. Yeah. <laughs> So my point is, all throughout this season, all throughout these seasonal change, the dependence that we need on the Father is paramount. We need to have ask Him to keep us in a place of humility, not humiliation like I spoke about last week, completely different things. Nobody needs to be humiliated. Humili- humiliation is dependent disempowering and it gets us nowhere that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about walking in humility before the father which is basically a posture that says father i don't know everything and i'm willing to learn i may be kind of stubborn and set in my ways because i'm older than i than i than my son but i'm still posturing myself in a place in a way that i can be teachable i'm allowing god you know there's times when when all of this Level stuff kind of goes out the window, and my kids start telling me what needs to happen because they see something that I don't see. So, understand that it's all relative to where we are, but this humility, this positioning ourselves and posturing ourselves with humility, allows us to let the grace of God cover our life, cover our minds, cover our stubbornness. Cover our stuck in our ways mentality so that we can receive instruction from the Lord and from one another and then give it in a correct way. One of the things about parenting that we talked a little bit about last week was that we have to be willing to admit where we've failed, we have to be willing to admit where we've messed up, where we've done things incorrectly. Even if your kids are older, my daughter is 26, and we are right in the middle now of some amazing stuff that's taking place. Even last week's message, you know, we're interacting with her about that. In and, and the, and the family meeting that we had during our vacation, we're right in the middle of this king learning how to set some things right with my children that I didn't do all those years when I was pastoring, and I was making everything else more important than them. So I have to, I'm not, I'm not, um, because of my role and my position in life, I'm not exempt from making things right when you get things out of order. And their emotional health and well-being is dependent on their dad saying, you know what, I never made this right with you. And I want to make it right. And so we're right in the middle of that. And it's awesome. It's awesome, and it's sometimes embarrassing. But the truth is, I'm getting accustomed to being a king. I'm getting accustomed to saying, you know what, I don't know everything. And I routinely humble myself before the Lord, and I spend time with Him, um, and ask Him, God, what's out of order in my life? What's out of order in my life? And guess what? When you ask him, he'll let you know. But the amazing thing about God is when you ask him in a place of humility, what's out of order, he'll just say, son, you know what? You remember when you did this the other day? That's, that's, not, what I, that's not what I desire from you. And right away, you'll remember something. And he'll say, why don't you, why don't you go fix that? Why don't you go make that right? And I'll, I'll, I'll pave a highway before you. I'll clear the debris from our, from your pathway and I'll help you get to that person and I'll, I'll already prepare their hearts so that when you come, they'll be received. That's the way God works when we humble ourselves before him and we want things to be operating effectively the way his design ha- has been established. God, not my will, but your will be done. Let's pray. Stand up if you would. So I don't know where you are in this process this morning. Maybe you've never heard about King, Warrior, Sage, something or other, and it's all a foreign subject matter to you, and it's, I don't know, feels kind of irrelevant. I've been thinking about this and along these lines for several years, and it's made a profound impact on the way that I lead and the way that I parent. Um, And it's just information that I got, you know, many years ago so I'm kind of used to it, and I'm used to thinking along that. But maybe you're here this morning, and it's like, oh, my gosh, that was a, that was a, that was a little tricky. I, don't, I weren't really following all, all of that. What's this sage? Isn't that a bush in the desert? Or was, was he talking about plants today? What, what was he saying anyway? So maybe you're kind of in that spot where you're like, what was he even talking about? I want you to understand it simply out of a heart of God. Desiring us to become everything that he's destined us to be. And there are seasons that we're in that we can position ourselves, or he's positioned us, to be powerfully impactful, not only to our peers, but to the generation coming behind us. And then actually empowering the sage generation. As a king, I have the opportunity to empower the sage guys that are around me that have allowed the culture to to marginalize them to a place where they're just thinking they're a retired mentality and and that's it. I'm just kind of like waiting until, you know, whatever, making sure I take my medications. That's not what God has planned for you. That is not what God has planned for you. You are powerful uh, men and women and that season is amazing, but I have the opportunity to value that generation that's ahead of me, see? And I want us to begin to think that way. That's why the whole unity of the body, that's why I read that. God's intended for us to work as a unified body. And when the framework and structure that I just described is is one guy's, you know, illustration of how that can look, and put some terms to it. It's happening. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's happening. It doesn't matter if you see yourself as a sage or a king ever or a warrior ever. It doesn't matter. But the truth of the matter is those seasons are happening. However you define them and whatever you name them, those seasons are happening. And we're either going to steward them well or they're going to pass by them and we're not even going to know what happened. And the impact that we could have purposefully on one another is lost in the confusion. All right? And so what I want to do is speak against that confusion this morning. Maybe you don't see your purpose to the next generation. Maybe you just see that as a youth pastor to the youth. Maybe you just see that as, a, as, a, as an associate pastor to the, to the next generation or the senior pastor to the next generation. And they're the ones that's responsible for all of this information and teaching and training and equipping. It is not true. Every believer is designed with giftings on the inside of them that they would pass that gifting on to the next generation and then make way for the next generation to be empowered so that they can speak life and not just disappear into the sunset. So God has a plan. And as a body, if we're going to impact this culture here in Camden, Rockport, Lincolnville, Warren, South Hope, you know, all of the surrounding towns, you know, Cushing. I'm, I'm finding places with my, my new job that I've never even, I heard about, but I've never even been there, and they're not even that far away. Radcliffe Island. It's like, I go there, seem like all the time now, and I never even knew the place existed, and it's beautiful. You know, I'm like all stuck in Camden because that's where I grew up, and, and it's like, they're ever, Camden's are everywhere. It's like every little road you drive down on the coast, there's another, there's another spot that's like, oh, my goodness. I think that's the way our journey with Jesus is supposed to be. Oh, my. I, I didn't even know there was a king year or whatever, but it's there it is, and it's amazing. So, Father, I pray for this body this morning. Would you just join hands with the person next to you? Let's come into agreement. We're not doing things haphazardly any longer. We're not doing things haphazardly any longer. Father, we need to understand that you have a purpose and a plan and you're doing things not haphazardly, but on purpose. So, Father, we tap into that purpose this morning. We ask you for the wisdom to know how to be a a, a warrior an effective warrior to wrestle with those personal challenges and and to overcome. Father, we need the, the, the wisdom to be a king in a way that's just empowering to the warriors that we're entrusted with. God, we ask you to send us the right warriors, the ones that we truly can speak into their lives. Surround us, Lord, with opportunity so that we can truly speak life into that next generation. and Lord, if we've missed some of the process along the way, Lord, we know that you can restore the years that the cankerworm and the pommelworm worm or all the destructive decisions that we've made in our life have, have, uh, have, have caused. Father, we know that you are able to repair and to, and to restructure and to put into our lives people that can, can learn even from the, the areas where we went off track. So Father I pray that as as the as the sages of our house Lord really begin to understand that it's it's not a time to it's not a time to be irrelevant. It's probably the most critical time of a man or woman's life is the sage years where that collective experience of all those years of 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 effort and and energy and 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 learning, and and failing, and, and trusting, and getting back up, and going again, and against the odds, and, and, and persevering, and all of that. There's a collective wisdom and understanding of life, and the kingdom of God even, in the midst of all of that journey, that just is tragically lost, because sometimes even we as kings won't open our hearts up to receive it from them. And so, Lord, I ask you to forgive us as warriors that haven't been willing to receive from the kings and and kings that haven't been willing to receive from the sages and sages that have have just been content to to slip into the background. Father, help us to engage in our part of the journey. Help us to be engaged, Lord, in understanding that we're we're preparing a culture. We're even impacting a culture not for ourself, not for bragging rights, not to say we did this or we did that or the other thing, but simply so that the lost and, and lives can be transformed by the power of God in our community, in our region, Father, for the glory of God. And so we ask you, Lord, to equip us equip us in the marketplace, help us to realize, Lord, that that we're making an impact even when we don't feel like we are, even when we feel like we don't have anything to contribute. We are impacting the marketplace because you live on the inside of us. Help us to line ourselves up with your word and empower us to do that, Father. And Lord, we ask that you would just really speak to us through this week. And God, open our eyes so that when we're, we're just going through about, about life the way that we, we, we know to go about life, Lord, help us to remember some of the things that we talked about today and apply it to the situations that we're in. Or, or even let that be a, our situation be a reminder that, oh, this is a, this is a warrior this isn't just this, this kid that's obnoxious and, and thinks he knows everything and is trying to get my position. This is a, this is a warrior and he's got to have a battle to fight. He's got to win that that, that, war, that battle. And so God, give us the wisdom to see these things and be able to respond to them in a proper way. So God, that just simply adds up. We need a whole lot of wisdom. We need a whole lot of understanding And we just ask, Lord, that you would help us to gather it. We bless this congregation today. We thank you, Lord, for the favor that is released over them in this moment. And and empower them, Father, as they go to become everything that you've destined them to be. We thank you for bringing Pastor Quentin and, and Jen home to us safely this week. We ask your blessings on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.